Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's time. Joey Elias is my guest today. Uh, Joey, you just came off recording your latest album. Yeah. I don't know when you're planning on dropping it, but you did Five Nights at the Comedy Nest. Uh, I think you sold out every night, every show. Actually, no, you did, uh, it was three nights, five shows, right? Yeah, three nights, five shows. We sold out uh, four of the five. God. I was 18 short on one night. Okay. <laughs> it's a good fucking run. When yeah. are you going to drop it? When is it coming out? Um, you know, I'm at the process where I picked out one show. We recorded all five, but I decided that, um, nope, I'm going to cut up one of the shows that I like. And then I went through the other shows, and I just picked a couple of clips, and that we're going to add. I say we because I'm I'm still working with uh, Esteban Vargas, who used to be uh, my producer when I had a radio show on uh, terrestrial radio. Yeah, and um, we picked out some uh, bonus clips, just fun moments. I think that um, most of them are audience interactions. Uh, there's one joke that I changed completely from one night to the next. So I just and you like. The one of them more than the other, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I put that in as the alternative, you know, ending. It's kind of like the movie Clue, if you're anybody listening remembers, where they had, when it first came out, they had like five different endings, thinking people would go to the theater five different times. No. Just as no. No. Is it just audio or are you doing video for this one? No, we just did audio. Okay. Um, so we're going to, uh, I'm going to print up 150 actual hard copies of the CDs. They're going to be numbered from. I say one to 150, but um, I'm going to take the number one out and I'm going to frame it up and give it to my folks. Smart. You know, just because I don't think I could have gotten this far without their support. You know, to be honest, I mean, imagine your your oldest son, 18 years old, tells you, yeah, this is exactly how my parents found out I was doing stand up. I'll tell you, I was living in the basement like all good ethnic kids do. Yeah. It was a Wednesday night, and uh, that, that was the only night you. Did stand-up when I started. The open mics? Open mic. Yeah. That was it. There were no satellite rooms, right? And in Montreal back in the day, there was a little bit of, what do you want to call it? Uh, gang warfare? Turf wars? Turf wars. Turf yeah. wars, yeah. So there was a little bit of a turf war between the two owners of the two clubs, and you had to choose. You had to go either the Comedy Nest or Comedy Works. Either way, you were still going to do comedy once a week. So it was either uh, Monday nights at the Comedy Works Wednesday night at the Comedy Nest. And didn't matter at the time. You First of all, you had to audition to get on. Yeah. Imagine now the kids today that just jump on, think they're headliners right away. Oh, yeah. Right? And they'd be like, I have to audition to get on an open mic? What kind of bullshit is that? Yeah, baby. Um, but it made you a better comic. Yeah, there was limited spots back then. It's not it, like now. No, it was tough. You know? So, And I think I made the right choice. I went to the, the Comedy Nest and... I was very lucky to uh, have guys like, you know, David John McCarthy, John Rogers, um, you know, Jeff Rothpan, Rick Bronson, Carla Collins at the time was around every night. So I learned just by being a fly on the wall. But I was also working the door. 
So I came up Wednesday, you know, one Wednesday evening, and I was in my, you know, usual jacket or whatever. And my mom just asked, where do you go every Wednesday that you're dressed up? I said, well, I, I kind of have a job, Ma, you know. She I don't goes, want to brag. She goes, what do you mean? I, she goes, well, I'm, I, I'm working at the Comedy Nest. She goes, oh, is the doorman? And I went, no, Ma, I'm on stage. And she just didn't understand because nobody in our family, extended or not, had the closest we had to anybody in show business, we had a very distant cousin that lived in New York that produced the local evening news. That's very different from what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, right? So that was the closest. So nobody understood, especially at the time, you know, my grandfather was alive and try to explain to a, a gentleman who survived the Holocaust that his oldest grandson now is just going to not go to school anymore so I can tell, you know, what he thought were, you know. I mean, he grew up in the era of comedy, you know, uh, it was the Borscht Belt. It was all the great guys, you know. So in his head, I don't, I think he was like, my grandson's never going to hang out with Rickles and, you know, yeah. uh, all those guys. But so when, what's the point? Yeah. A lot of people say that. They go, what's the point? Well, I really thought that when I first started doing stand-up, it was on a bet, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to, you know, pay up, going to walk out the door, one and done, and uh, this may shock people, I was going to go into politics. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was studying poli-sci for the two or three days that I went to university. Did you want to do something local, or were you thinking federal? I was naive enough to think that I could make a difference, you know, so it didn't really matter. I just wanted to... Uh, I wanted to get like a basic law degree and then turn that into politics somehow. And then I realized that nobody listens to politicians. By the way, that crack was my knee. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, just so people know, I'm 46 with a body of a 95-year-old man. Don't worry. It's, uh, I'm 32, and it's my fingers, my knees, everything. Oh, man. The fingers are the best. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, and I try to figure out... You know how people make songs when they uh, they fill glasses up with water yeah. and then they do that whole stupid thing. That's how I feel some mornings with my knuckles. Oh, dude, it is something else. I, I always fear that I'm going to get Alzheimer's really early. Uh, Alzheimer's, um, arthritis That's really early. That's the funniest joke you've said so far yeah. today. <laughs> that you mixed up Alzheimer's. Which is perfect. Yeah. Which is perfect. Uh, but I always fear because sometimes they just stiff. They stiffen up really, yeah. really bad, especially because I still play hockey. And sometimes while I'm playing, it'll just stiffen up. I'm holding the stick, and I can't really turn my hands because it's just killing me inside. Um, have it's you like, tried this um, uh, cannabis oil? No. Well, on your hands? Yeah. No. It's a cream. And I've done this uh, this summer a little bit for golf. Same thing, right, with the, the hockey yeah, it really stick in the, the golf. There's some more, especially when it's very humid, I find that my fingers will, especially the knuckle area, will be very swollen. Yeah. What are, it's, what are we sponsored by this week? This week, nothing on this podcast, because I'm starting it up again. Oh, I thought we... So, well, maybe go out and get, like, some Depends or Insure, the some, way we're talking. The way we're talking, they're going to yeah. be ready. They're like, look, it's not. It's never too early to start. You know, but seriously, uh, you put a, just a dab of the cream on, on the sore part, and I guess whatever the cannabis, you know, I guess it's heavier on CBD, because you don't get drunk. Uh, you don't get stoned on it. But, uh, yeah, it just uh, numbs the pain. I'm going to try. Yeah, it's pretty good. Why not? For my back, what I'm, I'm thinking of signing up for is DDP Yoga. What is that? Uh, DDP, the wrestler. I'm not He's, a big wrestling fan. He, Diamond Dallas Page, he oh was a God. wrestler for years, and he started this uh, his own form of yoga. And they've made documentaries about it because he actually 
there was one soldier that couldn't walk. He was uh, he had crutches and he was I think 150 pounds overweight and he he could barely stand up. Uh, I think a year later, eight ten months later, this guy's running. Yeah, and uh, heals your back. So he he's got a lot of wrestlers, a lot of athletes that go to do it. Uh, he was even on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it seems seems pretty good if you have the time to commit to sit down and do all the. Pull- I don't know if I could commit to that. You know, I get I'm like I don't want to watch these videos. Just. Or do you have to study before you go? Not before you go, but I mean, because since I'm not going to go down to uh, where the fuck he is now, Arizona or Miami, so I'm going to have to watch the videos. So you pay for the program, and you'll watch it. It's kind of like how it was back in the day when Richard Simmons would do his stuff. Oh, yeah, Just that this one's simpler to do. And, uh, you know, you get lazy after a while. Comics like, fuck, I'm going to watch these videos. Yeah, we have other videos to watch. Yeah. Like comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah, see, I'll watch all, I watch all of Norm Macdonald's new show on Netflix. I binged it right away. But anything else is important. I'm saving that for the weekend. Oh, you're going to love it. Because I, I got that and I have Ozark season two on mm. the list. Some good shows on right now. So I think uh, the weekend, if it's not uh, nice enough to uh, go out and get some last minute golf in. Yeah. Yeah, you're still a big golfer. You love golf. I love the golf. If I could golf every day, um, either because of time or finances, I would. Never got into the golf. I just like it because you're out there for, you know, four hours. You turn off your phone. You check it maybe at the turn. You're hanging with your friends. Yeah. You know, like I played yesterday with uh, three buddies. We just had a hoot. You know, we we play golf. I mean, nobody's out there to score well. If you play well, great. If not, who gives a shit? You know, we're having a, a couple of beer, a couple of joints. It's an excuse to hang out. Yeah, and you know what? When the weather's nice, especially in Canada, I mean, it's so short. I mean, yeah, people were bitching this summer. It's so hot. It's too hot. It's not too hot. It was the humidity that was the problem. Everybody's complaining about the wrong thing. Well, listen, if you have if you have health issues, I understand. If, like, if not, you have get asthma, it from a fucking fan and shut the hell up. Right. I mean, if you have asthma or you're old or you're young, I get it. It's not pleasant to be out. It's not easy to breathe in, you know, the mugginess. Yeah. But people go, really? You golfed in that? Yeah, so I just don't walk the course that day. So you, you use the cart. I get a cart, yeah. you know, and I make sure that I have a lot of beverage, and that's it. And and you know what? You drive down the fairway or to go look for your ball in the woods. There's a breeze, you know, like uh, you drive fast enough, you get a nice little breeze. It's it's a really pleasant day, and but there's shade on some of the courses. You know, it's not like I'm playing courses that don't have trees. What I could appreciate is that your social activity that you like to do with your buddies is also a physical event. So you're getting some exercise, you're getting some sun. It's actually good. You're combining a lot of good things. Yeah. Uh. Listen, there's uh, golf is just a wonderful thing. And I understand why people don't like it. I can also understand. But also understand that I'm not a big MMA or, there you go, or wrestling fan. And people are like, really? You'll watch golf, but you won't watch that? Yeah, it's, it's a matter. My brother will... Different n- strokes. Look, man, you know my bro. Oh, of course. My bro will talk... MMA boxing for days. Yeah. And I first of all this is this is a true story. He was like I didn't know the difference between UFC and Bellator and all that. So I just thought Bellator was a fighter and I was like this fucking guy's <laughs> awesome. He fights like every second week this Bellator. And my brother didn't tell me for a while. Like, on purpose yeah he's like you know he he would always have friends come over uh for the for the pay-per-views and stuff and oh so he's like oh, we're gonna watch the bellator fights yeah wow this guy <laughs> so all, and he would tell you know all his buddies and like oh look at my idiot comedy brother you know who fucking thinks he knows it all that you know and then uh one of my uh, ops at the radio station who has a uh 
It's called Ringside Report. Little uh, plug for Dave Simon's uh, podcast. Where do they where do they get online? It's uh, just a regular podcast. iTunes. Uh, yeah, I think that? so. Yeah. And he also does it on uh, TSN uh, locally on six ninety. Very cool. But uh, Dave was the one. So I, you know, he's a big UFC guy, and I was like, "This Bellator is awesome, eh?" He's like, oh, "It's okay." I go, "What do you mean it's?" And that's when I found out, like, no, it's a, you know, a federation of fighters. It's not a guy. And then I went home. I called my brother. I was like, you're a dick. He's like, finally. He's like, <laughs> it oh, it was the greatest running gag ever. And you still jump on TSN for sports and things like that just to talk about? Sometimes. I'm a big sports fan. I oh, love sports. Yeah. I mean, I grew up loving sports. But when I started traveling on the road, you know, as a headliner and... Now most of the comedy clubs have condos, but back in the day, you were in a hotel. So what do you do? You don't want to eat hotel food every day. I would go find a sports bar, and I would just mosey on up to the bar, and there's always highlights or whatever. And if you wanted to, you started a conversation with somebody just based on the highlights, saying, oh, my God, did you see that game last night? It was crazy, you know, or whatever. And then also it's good PR because you end up in a conversation with a couple of people or, you know, a group of people, and then you're like, oh, by the way, here's a, you know, a two-for-one pass to the club tonight or this weekend. And yeah. You're, what? You're a comic? Yeah. There, that, that was the big thing when I was on TSN is people are amazed that comedians know sports. Yeah, anything outside of comedy, they're amazed. I think it's also the bad taste that Dennis Miller may have left in some Monday Night Football fan. I loved it. I love the fact that you got this really, really um, irreverent guy to come in and just wax poetic the way he sees it. The, you know what the problem was? He was too smart for the majority of Monday Night Footballs, including myself at times. You think he was smarter than the audience and that caused well, the disconnect? I think it was also, you know, he made his co-workers a little uncomfortable with some of these references. <laughs> you know, they're like, I don't know what he said, but I'm sure not all of it's kosher. You know, um, but that's the big thing. Really? How does a comedian know about hockey? Well, fuck you. I grew up in the same Canadian town as you. Yeah, I think everybody here knows about hockey. You have to. Yeah. You know, otherwise they, they ship you out. Isn't that uh, part of the... Uh, it's part of the agreement. It's part of the CAC's new uh, campaign thing, right? Yeah. You, you learn French in three years, and if you don't know hockey, fuck you. Back to your homeland. And they don't even tell you. If you're born here, they won't tell you where they're sending you. It's a surprise. It's like roulette. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for my shipment papers. You you were doing so your your radio show that you were doing here mm-hmm. for years, right? Twelve, it, yeah. Twelve fucking years, and it was kind of one of our only, um, I guess, on local radio, our only comedian represented radio show. Uh, you were representing comedy in Montreal. Um, people knew to tune in. They knew what they were gonna get they were happy to hear well, it. I'm you. glad they knew what they were going to get because there was there were many a nights where I walked in and we all looked at each other Esteban and Brian or Dave and there was a lot of what are what we, we going to do tonight what are we doing tonight but it was part of this it was part of the culture it was part of the scene and then at least in my eyes it seemed abrupt the way it ended just oh okay well this is it this is going to be the last episode it seemed very abrupt and I don't think it was just to me but I, I'm just giving you my opinion right it was was it was it I never asked you, and this is the first time I asked, was it your decision? Was it them? Uh, I know that you're not the most PC person, so was it because you spent the what? last couple what of years you trying you your mean? best to fit in that, and then you're like, you know what, fuck this shit. Was it no. that? What the hell caused this? Because a show that I assumed was one of the more successful shows on, on the network, um, to just up and go like that. 
to, I'll, I'll be odd. very brief and very, I mean, you know me, I'm not, I don't bullshit. Mm. I'm, that's, that's what gets me into trouble is I don't. I know this very well, good sir. You know, I don't, I don't shut my mouth. Um, we were under, I say we because it was uh, management locally and myself. We were under the impression that changes from way above our pay grade. Um, we're going to make changes, really including the 11 o'clock hour. But we all were under the impression that it was going to come down a little later than it did. And I understood, and they were very, I, I cannot stress this enough. Um, the management here at Bell was so good to me. I even joked around that uh, if <laughs> once I signed my goodbye papers, I told the, uh, my boss, I was like, can you email two of my ex-girlfriends and say, like, look, we could have done this amicably. <laughs> it was all you, you know? So it was very amicable. There were some offers made to me to uh, stay on the air. The unfortunate part, um, really, and, and this is where they really stood up and, and was, were good, so it came down the pipe a lot sooner than we thought. They wanted an answer a lot sooner than uh, I thought I was going to be given. But when I weighed out what they offered me, I think in a different time in terms of uh, the calendar year, if it wasn't summer and I didn't have a thousand commitments to uh, family over this short period of time, I probably would have taken that offer. And is this on the table? I don't know. Because now that I walked away, I have to sit in purgatory for a while. Right? I, I'm allowed to be a guest on a show, but I can't host anything on the network for a while. You can't host anything on the network. Can you do your own thing? Sure. Oh, yeah. I can do my own thing. Like a Joey Elias podcast or perhaps <laughs> another network. Start a bidding war, Joey. Well, the bidding war in uh, Canadian radio is how many nickels they can roll. <laughs> So and beat you with them, yeah, pretty yeah. much. No, they, they again, they were great. Um, and, and as far as podcasts go, uh, I know you you have been pushing me for so many years. T to be honest, I don't really know what to do. You know what I mean? Like I'd like to do something. If I do a podcast, I'd like to do something um, a little different. You know, I I don't know. We should talk. We should because you got me. You got Mike. Um, yeah. and Mike knows the Canadian game at least really well. Uh, for podcasting, he still has, I think, the number one French language podcast on the planet. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. Oh, dude, millions of downloads. He kills it with that. That's insane. Uh, yeah, it's insane. He's the, he's the Joe Rogan of French uh, podcasting. So I can go on, uh, smoke weed with him on his podcast, and then the stock. Of Did my Tesla's sto stock get hit? Yeah, man. That's because so stupid. Of course, it's stupid. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. First of all, did you see him? He didn't even really fucking take a No, and, and he was such a... Like, the more I heard him talking, the more I was like, I support this guy. I like this guy. <laughs> He's such a cool guy. I was like, I like him. Listen, you got to like the guy. SpaceX. Yeah. Whether you like Tesla or not, just SpaceX alone. No, but I like people like that. People Would trying you? to change things. People right. Trying, it's always the lazy people that aren't doing anything that criticize the ones that are actually fucking actively working. So people are mad at him. The people that are mad at him for smoking weed aren't taking into consideration what they're giving back to humanity and what he is. None of it. They're oh. like, oh, he took a, he fucking took a toke. End his career. It's so stupid. Did he really? Take did he a really toke? even take it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think stupid. he inhaled like we all did when we first tried a cigarette when we were 
12 and we didn't understand how to inhale. Yeah, he was like know. an alien. Yeah. yeah. What is this? Boom. And then you're like, oh, man, the head rush. And you're like, head rush. It would have been cool if he acted like that. He's like, Joe. Oh, man. <laughs> I think I'm going through something right now. What would have been even funnier if it's just out of nowhere, uh, a bag of chips appeared. <laughs> just and no reference to where it came from. And as he's, you know, just talking to Mr. Rogan, he's just nibbling on Crunching a chip into the mic here yeah. and there. I think that would have been hilarious. I lo- listen, you know, I love the fact that Rogan's so open about his use of marijuana. Yeah. I like the fact that he's open about everything. He, he'll tell you he's not scared to be like, all right, well, uh, I have to kill my meat. And, you know, all the hunting he does because he's right. scared. He doesn't give a fuck. You have a problem with him hunting? I don't. I don't have a, I, I like the fact that he hunts. Listen, I'm not a hunter, but that doesn't mean, you know, again, just I want to become a hunter. I wish I could do that. But again, maybe it's because I grew up in an age before social media. I am not outraged by people who hunt. You know? No. Why should I be? If they do it properly and they register themselves and they have a license, it's not like some idiot going out, you know, on a weekend. Shooting cats. Right. With a BB as long as you're gun. not hunting people, yeah. <laughs> if you're hunting actual lives, you're hunting food. Essentially, the same stuff you would get. Let's say that you could buy, you could purchase. Sure. Somebody else is killing them. There's a whole machine made to grind up these animals. I'm gonna get mad because one person is doing it on his own. It doesn't. But doesn't that's the whole problem with so many people today. Is that the outrage machine? The outrage brigade, I call it, because it's like I'm not on Facebook, right? That's a very smart decision. Uh, five years, man. Turn 40. Try to eliminate all the bullshit in my life. You know? Like I said, big changes happened around then. But that was one of them. Was I realized that at one point, I just was... Uh, I got myself into a little bit of controversy with, uh, with uh, the French population a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, because I pointed out a, uh, a ticket taker at a metro station who had a uh, sign up that said... Uh, if you don't speak English, you, if you don't speak French, you don't get service. Yeah, that's right? called a, uh, an asshole, I believe, so internationally. So I, I uh, went down with a video camera, took a picture of, uh, of the little sign. Yeah. But then I, I went up to the gate wearing um, a pair of pants that looked like the Canadian flag and a, my Team Canada jersey and my Canada gold medal hat. Oh, you were... <laughs> And I was like, hello, how much for one bus ticket? And the guy pointed to the sign. So I posted this to my Facebook page, and holy moly, you would have thought I had, you know, killed people, like, seriously. And anyway, there were death threats made to me and stuff like that. Death threats? Oh, yeah. Death threats for pointing out that what the ticket taker was doing was, number one, fucking absurd. And number two, illegal, right? You're supposed to serve people in well, either or language, right? Or both. But you're in the service industry in a major North American city. It's not even th- this Do you is, think that you'd be a little compassionate to somebody not speaking your mother tongue? And it's the metro. There's going to be tourists. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. International students. That's what we're trying to, you know, bring. And that's what we're advertising to bring over. And then you got this fuck nut. Anyway, well, I got death threats from people who, you know, obviously are not Federalists or uh, pro-Canada. Um, and I just decided a little bit after that that I was tired of waking up to a slew of messages every day telling me where to go, 
you know, if I wanted that, I would have stayed in my relationship. But was it that bad? Was it? Yeah, it was pretty. It was, it was pretty crazy. So I just, and I thought about it. Like, what was Facebook founded on? It was founded on jealousy and spite. That's what it was made for. So why were why were we all surprised when it turned from cute little memes of you know your kid vomiting on your pet dog to oh really you don't speak French fuck you you English piece of shit go back to where you came from okay I went back to Cote Saint Luke yeah <laughs> you know that's where I went to but that's what that's what happened I had no idea about death threats so I got off it I'm uh, I'm on Twitter which I I still like a little uh, I do get political you yeah. know especially uh, lately about the, the the municipal situation as I look out the beautiful window I can only count on one hand the amount of orange, orange cones <laughs> but this if for, for those of you who haven't been to Montreal or seen Montreal um, the orange cone seems to have become our civic flower there's it's a music video now that somebody put out about the orange cones it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm a little political about that. And I, I do take a lot of heat sometimes about my political views, whether it's about, uh, you know, the U.S. situation. Um, because even, people go, why do you even care? Why do I care? You can have an opinion. Why, why not? Well, because, first of all, it's spreading down here, right? The, the, the amount of, uh, let's, let's round up kind of these people that are disenfranchised and let's speak their language. Let's blame everything else on somebody else. Like this new political party of Canada. We have a new party? Yeah, Max and Bernier, right? Now now I feel fucking embarrassed. This always happens. I know more about the U.S. than I do about Canada. Well, Max and Bernier went on this tirade like two weeks ago. Who's this guy? Well, he was uh, in the conservative party, and he lost um, the leadership convention to Andrew Because he was crazy, and now he started his own party? And then he felt like, oh, they, uh, they didn't include me in all this. And so he left the party. Because he's is he a visible minority? No, he's he's a French Canadian guy from uh, Quebec. And they didn't want very to successful, okay. right in life. But he went a little wacky. Like I said, he went on this. I think it was a nine or ten thread uh, tweet. You know, craziness about how uh, Canada has over. Um, you know, over not overlet. Is that English? Overlet? Hmm? No. Over- but they, they, they've exceeded their, um, you know, quota, if you will, on immigrants from, you know, refugee-considered countries. Okay. He's pissy about that, and then he was like, they better learn how to, if they're going to come here on the free, they better, do, they better do this and that. It was fucking so he Trump. Went, he went Trump. He went after the actual people that came here. Ish. Anybody who isn't if what he, they consider, you know... Berlin. Right, but here's the thing. Nobody who's going to come from the outside is going to be pure whatever the fuck we are here because they're from somewhere else. And if you're mad... Aren't we all from somewhere else? Obviously. Unless we're indigenous? If you're... Uh, the indigenous people are the ones that got the short of the stick. No one else. Everyone else is fucking living large here right. while if the people who has, should be pissed are, are being kept quiet. Right. If anybody has the right to choose who comes here, it should be the indigenous people of the land who went, look, you fucking took this from us you haven't done anything to help us out and you know what you're horrible tenants on our land get the fuck here we built you a boat but if we have let in too many people why is it the this is what i this is the arguments i get into why is it the fault of the person who was allowed it it's like 
if I let you in into a party, okay? I let you in. I'm like, hey, you're allowed. You have a ticket. You're in the party. Oh, God. And then when you're in there, somebody's like, hey, hey, motherfucker, uh, there's too many people in here. Hey, what are you getting mad at me for? You guys organized it. Yeah. Right? I was let. Why am I in trouble? That's right. If you're mad, why don't you talk to the federal government? Hey, did we think this through? Why is it the person who asked, where can I go? Oh, I can go in here. And then the second they get into the problem, that's where I draw. There could, it, it's definitely possible that maybe we're, we could overdo it or underdo it or whatever. I don't know. how. I don't know the budgets. I don't know how the fuck this shit works. But why is it the fault of the person who asked? Yeah. Listen, and, and what they also have to remember it's not people just wanting to live here that have boatloads of money. They can come no. here easily, right? These are people that are coming in from countries that are still bombing, gassing their own people, you know, for a better life. Everybody talks about the American dream. Canada's an awesome fucking place to live. I'm telling you. The Canadian you, dream is the same, just colder. And with, yeah, and to make the NHL, not the NFL or NBA or. Impossible. Nobody's making NHL anymore. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I, you know. Well, maybe not. There's still. It, I don't think it's hand a common. Hand me downs, no. No, I don't think. From what I hear, from I don't have kids, yeah, but neither. the parents tell me it is crazy, equipping your kids every year to to play hockey. Oh, I bet that's why soccer's so popular. Yeah. Right, and even baseball's down. Well, baseball. I never got into. Did, were you into baseball? Loved it. God, I can't get into baseball. I was pretty good at it. I think that's why I went to golf. You, you took that swing and you. Yeah, I just made it modified it yeah a little for the bit. ground <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't know i i just or maybe it's just the outdoor thing you i know? think it's the outdoor i think you like the outdoors i love the outdoors i still camp man. yeah there you old, go old school get in the woods see i don't believe in camping tent oh yeah and people go really joey the jew camps like that damn straight man why would i put so much effort into living the lifestyle that the crackheads in my neighborhood already live for free no, man, they don't have... Battling the elements. No, because they're not... <laughs> first of all, you have shelter in a tent. That's this one. This is true, yeah. Two, they're not having comfort food over a bonfire <laughs> that you built. Hanging out with their, their friends. You know, just going, boys, I bought marijuana-infused <laughs> mac and cheese, and then you make it, and then you just sit around the fire with two or three, four of your buddies, and... Fucking go! I think those are fireflies. And How long do you stay out for? A couple of days, a couple of nights. What about bathrooms? Do you go somewhere? Because somebody was telling me about places you can go to where you have, if you want, at a distance, like porta potties and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's available. That's available, right? Yeah. So you don't have to shit in the woods. No, we pee all over the place. Yeah, right? well, that's a different. You story. know what I mean? But yeah, and, and and some of the places where you go, they have uh, showers available. That's pretty cool, right? And they they're pretty clean. You know, like they clean them every like. 25 minutes or something like that they, just to make sure yeah yeah so you know there's yeah most provincial camps you know parks where you can camp they have uh the porta potties and then you know they also ask you to recycle so at the end of the you know your stay you just throw your recycling bag into a giant bin and you're done it's peaceful man it's you're out there with nature it's just some music i've gone by myself music book Tent, food, much weed. That could be an idea for you. Going out there by yourself with the same equipment plus audio equipment and you record a podcast about your thoughts. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. No, that would be a cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if you actually do start crying at one point. You're like, so lonely. Where's <laughs> Yeah, where's Joey? He's in the woods. Can't reach him. 
That I mean, I like getting off the grid. I'm old school that way. Like I did a, a trip to the the military base up in the North Pole, and there's no cell phone. There's no Wi-Fi service. You it's, don't find that you need it at least for comedy to promote your shows, anything like that. That's why I still am on the Twitter. Yeah. And how old am I that I just said the Twitter? I say the Facebook all the time. People get you know? upset. Well, that was the original name. Right? I'm not wrong. No. Huh. No. I mean, it is Facebook now. Huh. Um, but yeah, I love getting off the grid a little bit. It was wonderful. It was 10 days up there. And yeah, I was up there with soldiers and a, a couple of musicians. But the fact that you ate at the same time every day. I mean, you live the military life, but... I would go and sit with different people every day, and you would actually have conversations. And then at night, when we weren't doing the show, you know, I played a lot of cards with those guys and gals, and uh, they banned me from the poker tournaments. Were you winning? I won the first six that I played. And they're like, no more, Joey. Yeah, they're like, get the hell out of here. You're a fucking ringer. And which was weird, because I hadn't played poker for many a year. And then that was two years ago. I haven't played since. I was invited to a poker game yesterday, and then I double-booked myself, and I had to cancel. Did you have a gig? No, I didn't have a gig. I made plans, and then the people I made plans with, I kept always canceling, right? So it seemed, because I agreed if I would cancel again, that I'm just fucking around. No. So I told, it was Ryan Wilner was running the poker game, and I told him, I was like, fuck, dude, I, I'm an idiot. I completely forgot I had poker. So I got to cancel. And it was a fun game, apparently. It was, uh, David Acker was there, too. Yeah, he's a good poker player. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a good card player. He's fucking, yeah, he's a magician. Yeah. So he counts the cards. That motherfucker. <laughs> More than counts. He's just coming out with cards out of his fucking sleeves. You know what? There's a lot of great comedians that are fantastic poker players. I like, believe that. I yeah. mean, you mentioned Norm McDonald, yeah. obviously. Uh, Colin Quinn is a great poker player. Is fucking Colin Quinn a great poker yeah. player? Yeah. Canadian-wise, um, there was a big game in Toronto. Tim Steves. Um, well, he's an awesome poker player. Really? Yeah, the late Erwin Barker was very good. Um, there's a bunch of guys out of Toronto but Montreal I know uh, Ryan plays a lot Mike P Acker when uh, he's around I used to play all the time I used to go home you know I was spo- my, my, my radio show at one point was sponsored by one of the uh, the poker rooms oh really? that was on the reservation was it Playground? Uh, no I like Playground you know what again I haven't been um, they sponsored one of my golf tournaments that when I ran my own charity, they were the mega sponsor, and uh, I met the owner or the guy who runs it back then. But I've never actually gone in. Oh, we should do something. We should go down there, fucking on a Saturday night or something. Go play. All right, I'm in. Maybe that's where I do my podcast from. You never. And you know what's funny is the last time I went there it was a while ago. It was over a year ago. But the uh, the dealer uh, knew me. He's like, uh, you're a comedian. He's like, Pam, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like I would get noticed? But then a lot. I lost a lot of money, and right? I'm so embarrassed. I was like, "Oh fuck, this guy! This guy's seen me get blown out." <laughs> oh, either way, man. He, now he thinks comedians are loaded, which is fantastic. <laughs> but um, did you like getting noticed at the poker? No, table? I don't like getting noticed anywhere. Yeah, me neither. It's very weird for me. I like, I like everything self-contained. I like when I'm on stage. You know who I am. You enjoy the show. I like you listen to podcast. When I'm outside and somebody's like, "Oh, I've listened to this," or "I saw you." On, I feel I don't know how to ha- I don't, like. What do you want me to do with that information? You know, what I, I want to just be me. And if sometimes I make a scene because I'm, uh, you know, I'm loud. I'm, I'm fucking. I get, I get frustrated. So I don't want to yell at someone and they're like, "You motherfucker!" I know you. I've seen you. You know, I, I don't want that. I. Um, I want to be me alone. I'm. People won't. Believe you get me. noticed a lot here. You're a fucking. I'm, I'm shy as hell, man. I know that. So it's it's very awkward. It's nice, like especially after the radio departure. 
there were many uh, many people that would come up to you. As long as it's like they're polite and at appropriate moments, that's fine. Yeah. You know, um, uh, no joke. I mean, I've been to a funeral where somebody turned to me and went, so what about the radio? What happened? And you're like, is this really the time? You know? It, it, they're pointing at the casket. They're like, is your radio career dead? Yeah. Is it dead? Is, is it, it like ma- Is it like the <laughs> Max man in the, in the little box? <laughs> dead? No. So, yeah, I try. As I get older, too, I, I just stay in more. I mean, I now do material. It's on the CD about how I know I'm going to die alone because I'll never meet people. You know what? You know what's fucked up by you saying that? You probably won't. Out of nowhere, something's going to... That's what happens is life is so... No, I know. I'm so not strange. saying... I'm not saying it, it may You're going to end happen. up pushing away so much that something else is going to happen and then you're going to do the complete fucking 180. Maybe. And maybe the person, you know, that I end up with is already in my very small inner circle. This is true, yeah. I have more female friends than I do male friends. I don't know if that's a, a, a when Harry met Sally statement or um, women that I possibly may have uh, ended a relationship with well have bigger friend networks than I do. That's funny. And they're like, listen, that Elias guy, funny on stage. What a dick off it's you know like so oh i'm sure there there's been meetings about you up where uh, it started off with uh, i was hi my name is and uh you know i mean if there was a if there was meetings that started off with hello my name is and i make bad decisions i would be like i'm their grand leader you know what i mean like i should be immortalized in every whatever you want to call those meetings It, why do you assume that you've made such bad decisions when you are living the life that you wanted to live, right? Oh, but personally, man, oh, man, I could have been, you know, you all look back and look, I was young uh, when I made some of these mistakes. I was older when I made others. But I, I look back now and I think that if, like you said, if those things didn't happen, I wouldn't end up where I am now. And everything, I'm not saying everything happens for a reason, but there is a path. There's a path that, you know, you follow. I take the road less traveled a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it's the right decision. Sometimes it's not, you know. So, yeah. But it always seems like you never remember the um, the good decisions. You know, it's like a good set. Yeah, it leaves right away, but a bad set fucking stays with you. Yeah. Like a kick to the dick. Even even a bad moment or a bad, like you 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 headline and, you know, you just had a great... You know, I, like I think about uh, a set I did the other night. I was headlining another show, and um, I really like. It was at the theater in in Hudson. Oh, the Village. Yeah, and I really in, I liked it. I liked the way I paced my sh- myself, and the show was paced and stuff like that. But there was about a four minute lull where I felt up on stage, where I could have really hit them a little bit harder somewhere in those four minutes. I'm and not that saying it, stayed with you. I'm not saying it was it was a silent four minutes, but it was uh, compared to the reaction I got for the other 46 minutes while on stage, it was definitely a decibel below. And that's it drove me up a wall for a good day and a half until the Steelers shit the bed. Again. Yeah, man, they're fun. Anyway. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. It's it, it's, but it's not just comedians. Everyone does it. That's why there's so many negative reviews on things. People are more inclined to share bad news yeah. for some reason than they are good news, and we're no different. 
and we hold on to the bad sets. I can have a series of great sets. People compliment me. They like it. And then the second one thing, it doesn't even have to be a full set. It could be a joke yeah. that I stumble on that doesn't go my way, and it'll stay with me. And the people watching could care fucking less. It won't stay know. with them. They don't even know. They don't know. When they when later, like, oh, it was a good... And you're like, ah, I didn't really like it. Like, what are you fucking talking about? And no matter what they tell you, that fucking line, that whatever it was, that, that bit, yeah. oh, it'll fucking haunt you. Because we're weirdos. In the end, we're weirdos. Yeah, but we're weirdos that are going to win in the end. Yeah. You know, I think it's because we, we, we're we not scared. I mean, we're scared. We're not scared to fail. We're, we're willing to try shit and other people. Because that, that's we the only thing I've changed. We fail more than we succeed. I and think people the, don't see that. I think the only people that um, do that more than us is baseball players, right? Hitting three out of ten is considered Hall of Fame numbers. Oh, really? Right? If you have a 300 career batting average, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, that's amazing? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Right? So, in, yeah, we're kind of like ball players. You know, that where if we hit three out of seven times, no. But even though we're hitting seven or eight, nine out of ten, we're never going to, I don't think I can ever, like, I think the word kill today, you know, you hear. I think it's so, overused. Jesus, Th- these fucking kids. Oh, man, how was the show last? Oh, kill. Really? You killed. I've been doing this, you know, since 92. And I can tell you I can count on both hands true kills. Yeah. I, I remember um, the one that I consider a, a kill set. And uh, it's not because I have bad sets regularly, but there was one at the nest one time where it was during the new setup, the way they have it now. And it, I think it all had to do with the crowd because it was one of those nights where everybody, you don't have to bring anybody in. They're all in on the game. They all want to laugh. And they were so hyper. And it was one of the two shows, you know, it was the, the 8 o'clock and the 10.30. Right. I think it was the 8 o'clock show that when I was, and it was packed, when I was walking down to go on the stage, they were like patting you on the back. Like it was a UFC fight, like when you were going down. And then they were all up and animated and laughing at everything. And it was for every comic that was on, it was good, right? And it was one of those sets that stays with you, and you're like, why didn't I record this? It was like a Turkish soccer stadium. They were up, and they were in. and But that I could consider killing. Everybody was... But you can't. Every fucking time you're on stage, it's a kill because you did well. You could do... You could produce well. You, you know, your your own lines, and you can hit every punchline, and, and it still doesn't mean that it was a kill in the sense that it was better than everything else you've done. It's never going to get that good again. Your barometer needs... You got to adapt that shit. It can't be every fucking time you're on stage and you said your things that you're a killer. Yeah, and they also have to understand that if you've been doing the same set verbatim for the last eight years, you know, you better fucking kill for real at least once in that eight years. Because if you don't... You know what I mean? You're only... And the majority of these people, let's be honest, they're not getting, you know, 12, 15, 30-minute, 40-minute sets. They have five, seven. Seven, Seven to ten, you know? So, I'm not saying you can't kill in a seven to ten minute. I hope to. Yeah, I you hope, could. You yeah, could, you yeah. can. And you know what? As an opener with a seven to ten minute, I hope that you go up mentally prepared and in your head saying, "Okay, I've got eight minutes." But for those eight minutes, in my head, I am the headliner. I am the headliner for those eight minutes, and I want to be the best I can be for those eight minutes for these reasons. One. I'm going to set the stage so the rest of the show goes well. Yeah. Two, there are people that paid their hard-earned money 
to come see me at my best. So I better bring my best every time I get up on stage. That's my attitude. D David Acker did that to me when uh, he first started uh, putting me up on weekends and letting me open shows. He's like, don't overthink it. The set I just saw you do when I showcased for him, like those eight minutes, he's like, do that. Just do, don't overthink it. That's going to go yeah. well, do that. And then after a while, when he would give me more time, I would start to experiment and be able to in incorporate more. But in the beginning, he was like, don't overthink it. They paid. They want your... Don't think, oh, I got to throw in... No, no, no. This is what works for you. This is the eight minutes that you have right now. Don't overthink it. Do that. That's it. And it was great advice because then I was more comfortable when I go up and be like, yeah, they paid. You know, you're, you're, you get in the zone. Plus, you're young and you don't want to screw up. And um, it was, it was that good. never changes, by the way. The oh, nerves, no. the nerves never, the nerves never go away. The fact that you never want to really fuck up the show. You don't want to be the reason why the show doesn't go well. You you also don't want to be the reason that they don't re come back to the comedy club, oh. or if it's charity, they never come back, or that you know. That's how I felt a little bit about you know when the, somebody asked me in another interview, how do you feel about the radio show ending? And I was like, even though it was my decision. It was, I was on it for 12 years, but it had been on for almost 25. You know, it started with Peter Anthony Holder, and then Peter brought in David John McCarthy. They were co-hosts for a while, and then it was Peter and Ernie, and then Ernie took it over for many years and went from just Sunday nights to Friday and Sunday to Monday to Friday, and then I took it Monday to Sunday. You know, I... People ask, like, what do you, I don't even know why I'm talking about it. It's in the past. We got to move forward. Well, that's what I'm saying. We do got to move forward. We have to move forward. And why not move forward on yeah. a new medium? Yeah. Uh, listen, like I said, if, uh, if I've had some ideas, I've had, I mean, we've had some discussions. And, you know, I love the fact that um, there's so many options out there for you now. You know, plus I do have a lot of new stand up, you know. Um, coming out like I'm, I'm very busy during the months of october november i got a festival out in edmonton um the week after our thanksgiving so i guess the 10th we're in october us right yeah okay. it's the first weekend in october the 6th 7th 8th so i guess i leave on the 11th or 12th and then it's just google edmonton uh comedy festival you'll see i got is it, it the edmonton that's what it's called edmonton yeah comedy? Edmonton good Coffee. for them yeah i think it's a um some, it's something Alberta comedy, but you'll see. It's it's the first thing that comes up. And I'm really looking forward to that. Then uh, throughout November, a couple of shows here in Montreal for charities and, you know, different venues and stuff. I think we have a show together. We have on a show September 26th at Club Soda. Yeah. Did you know that, though I've been there a lot, it's going to be my first time performing at Club Soda? Well, that is what... So this is the seventh year this show is going to be going on. And it's a wonderful charity. Um it's called On Our Own, and it's basically a, a community that they've built up for um, women that are young, that have children, that are in need because, you know, they're they're in abusive relationships or, <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> or, or you know. Well, I got to change some of my set, I just realized. <laughs> you know, and, and then, uh, or the, they had problems with substance abuse in the past. So they try to help everybody. And it's a wonderful, wonderful cause. So um that's on the 26th i'm looking forward to that but aren't we doing another one with uh durante oh shit yeah we are there my uh september is so fucking crazy yeah mine too people t uh, i get messages from people like hey you're doing this show and they're sending me a screenshot of like a newspaper or something I'm like oh fuck and then i look at my calendar just to make sure i have it because does it ever happen to you where you don't put it in the right calendar sometimes i'll get have a you phone met me 
I'll get a phone call two days before and like, hey, am I picking you up? Or are you picking me up? I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, how, how, do I, how do I answer this without them realizing I forgot about the gig? I'm not going to lie. I woke <laughs> up, Thank God you texted me today. Because you wouldn't have come. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. I woke up today. Thinking it was Sunday? Th- Sunday. What wishful thinking, man. I'm two days behind. Mm. I woke up today thinking it was Saturday. No. <laughs> okay. I got up at like 10 o'clock because I went to bed super late last night. And here I am, I wake up, make my coffee, and I think, oh, it's Saturday. I have a tea time at 1.30. That's hilarious. Because I played golf on Saturday and Sunday, but on Saturday we started at 1.30. So I go, and I'm starting to clean my golf shoes a little bit. And, and then I was like, oh, text message. It must be one of the boys for golf. And it was you going, hey, we still good? And I looked at my, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, it's Monday. Good thing I sent the message. Whoa. Well, I would have figured it out eventually when, you know, Dum Dum didn't show up to pick me up. And I'd be like, where are you? And he'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm at work. I work. I have a life. Yeah, I'm a normal person. I work normal hours. That was the worst thing is that last year, most of my friends were unemployed. And it was great. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I never had a problem finding a golf game. You know, it was like, hey, boys, you want to play? Sure. Now, this year, they all got jobs or one of them got a uh, kid. You know? Oh, that's a job. You know, so it's like, hey, uh, you want to go? I can't until like uh, seven, seven tomorrow. You know, so now. You know, you know what's absurd is that you were saying you were so happy when uh, your friends were unemployed and they had time. Being a comic, y- your schedule is fucked up. Like I have, I have trouble too with my friends just um, hanging out with them. Right? It's very hard for our schedules to not have a conflict because let's say nights when they're free, right? They're they finish work. That's when I'm doing sets. Yeah. So it gets to a point where you have no choice but to hang out with either the unemployed or people who are in the same field as you um, to make time. Listen, and that's why lately I've uh, been hanging out alone. Yeah, you have no choice. That's what people don't understand. You're not a hermit. Everyone's busy. Oh, no, I'm I'm a bit of a hermit. Not a hermit, a recluse. Okay. You know? I, I I could go with that. You know, like if I could, I would live in the, in the <laughs> sticks on a farm, man. Yeah, a farm. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted Remember that gig we did at the producing, they were producing something? You said we're doing a gig for producers, and we both understood that they were like, I thought it was like film producers or something. I was like, all right. And then we ended up on there like, no, no, they're... <laughs> they're farmers. <laughs> yeah, fruit producers. Yeah, that's what it was. I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense because it's so far out. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Apple. It was around now. It's like apple picking season. Yeah. They were they were nice though. They were so happy to have us there. And they did were we get cool there people. in a snowstorm? No, us it wasn't snowing. But there there was uh, there's been other gigs, man, that I've done. Uh, I don't remember how many we did together that we had to go places. Uh, I know over the weekend I had to go an hour out of like the reserves, kind of what it was a it was a Neil Janna gig. Yeah, yeah. And it was in uh, River Riverfield, I believe. Don't even know where that oh, is. Oh, it was in a curling club far, far I away. love curling club gigs. I love curling club gigs, legion gigs. Do you know the only problem I had was with the comedians that went on before, including Neil, I called them out on it, is they kept talking to the people like they took a time machine to the Middle Ages. Because they were like, well, you guys have a hospital out here? And I'm like, God damn, they're an hour out of the fucking city, man. <laughs> and everybody's just looking at them like, yeah, yeah, we, we know what that is. We, we have the internet. We have television. Like we're an, they they come to the city. It's an hour out of the city. Yeah, they're not Amish. It's, yeah, they're not. <laughs> so when I got on stage, I was laughing. I couldn't believe that two comics spent so much time almost ridiculing them, being like, I can't believe you You guys know what that is. You guys know the YouTube? They're like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. We're going <laughs> to kick the shit out of us. 
Well, I've had uh, recently the most interesting gig I've been on was um, it was just outside of Petawawa, Ontario. How far is that? Um, it's about an hour the other side of Ottawa, maybe. Okay. Right? And I was headlining the gig, and I was working with two Ottawa comics. And the middle comic, and it was a fundraiser for uh, bikers that were going to ride for can Like, not cyclists. Like, I'm talking motorcycle oh, guys. Oh, good. That were going to ride um, across, I don't know what continent, but they were going to... Basically, they were doing it for a charity. It better have been over an icy bridge on a mountain. You know, my money needs to go someplace where it's gonna be worth it. You know, so it was it was a good cause. But the middle act does this thing about how he grew up and and his father is still a reverend. Oh, so there's a punchline where he says Jesus Christ, and it was a very funny joke. But out of nowhere, these two people, this couple, just jumped up. They, he died for your sins. Oh, and I was Christ. just like, oh my, what is happening? And I had to watch this before I went on. So they take care of it. Uh, they go outside, this couple. They're talking to the organizer. The comic ends. MC brings me up. And they're not in the room. I go to town on them a little bit. What I don't know is that they're outside now making friends with the act that they've ruined his act Uh-oh. because they want us, all of us, the three of us, to come back to their house so they can make amends by, you know, taking care of us overnight, feeding us breakfast. But you don't know this. You're, you're on the warpath. But when they told me this after, I was like, that's how every Criminal Minds episode starts. I hope you said no. You know? Th- that's how you get murdered. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Hey, you made fun of our Lord. Why don't you come stay at our house? And then you go missing. Where are they? They're with the Lord now. Missing? They're at a better place. I'm in like four different oil barrels. I don't Cut <laughs> up. I don't know where it was, but I did a gig with Acker, and uh, it was outside of, of Ottawa. It was like f- we, four hours from here. And it was me, him, um, Paul Beluit was there, and I think Wasim. We went down there, and... It was kind of the, the crowd was a little hit, hit or miss. A lot of them were talking during, so so Paul Blue was trying to like you know control them. And then when I was on, I have a joke where th- the setup sounds like oh, this guy's a racist, and then the punchline is like oh he fucking got us right. And the normal reaction to every every other place I do it is oh, the gasp, and then like oh he fucking got us. Was it just the the opposite? When I when they thought I was a racist, <coughs> they started laughing and clapping. Oh God! It made it so awkward. I started. La- I was about to cry from laughter. I was like, "Oh, this is getting." And then when I turned around on them, it got awkward because I made them like, "Now you guys are fucking racist." Well, good. Right? Good for pointing. And it, out it was there. so awkward, but it wasn't an awkward moment. Where I'm like, "What am I gonna do?" I was laughing. I was so kind of happy that happened. I was like, "This has never happened any other room on the fucking planet that I've performed at." And they were just like, "Yeah, racism. All right." Like they're so well, fucking. Happy. Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> this right? is four hours out of here. Well, it's yeah. not that far. Yeah, still. It's, it's, <laughs> it's isolated enough, Yeah, right, where they could all the, meet they, up. They clapped. I got, a, I got claps on a setup because they're like, this guy, he's one of us. I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> well, until you get invited to the clan meeting. <laughs> yeah, there. exactly. But no, they didn't like it right after when I turned the tables on them. Like, oh, fuck. I was like, it's too soon. You clapped too soon. You, you should have let well, me keep going. They don't like being pointed out, right? Because mm. they still want to keep their jobs. The best is that I had them. Because they had already expressed their feelings, not knowing that there was a follow-up. I mean, this, I don't know. 
I, I don't censor myself on stage at no. all. But in real life, there are moments where you think to yourself, I got shut up. Just shut up. Yeah. You know, don't get on social media and, and say, this offended me. And I don't like doing that because then I become part of that outrage brigade. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You I, know? There's been, lately, there's been times where I'll tweet a reply. Like, I'll have it all written up and then I'll just be like, you know what? Cancel. The, nothing's good going to come of this. It's just going to be an endless back and forth. Yeah. And I'll just stop. And it's th- I see certain things that are so stupid and they just get me. I'm like, oh, this guy's fucking wrong. This is complete. It's absurd. So I go to reply and I'm like, how's this going to end? This guy's not going to admit that he's wrong. It oh. ends with... One of us be- throwing our phones. <laughs> right. It ends with frustration. Yeah. And, and just being miserable... Why? Because some random stranger disagreed with you. Exactly. You know? I, I Listen, I don't mind if people disagree with me. A lot of people disagree with me. It's not the disagreements that I mind. It's more when I hear... I'm very much on the side of logic. So I try my You're best... You're such an optimist, brother. <sighs> like, seriously. You, I, you, how are you in Montreal stand-up scene right now and an optimist? Well, I stay out of the scene a lot. So I, do I. I do, I do my gigs. And I don't want to shit on people, but there are... But, yeah, it's, you it's know, not... You, a, were, you were talking about you know, avoiding certain situations. I'm at a point in life where I, like I said, my inner circle is getting smaller, smaller as I get older. And it's not because I'm at an age where they're dying, you know, not yet, (laughs) not yet. One day that'll happen. What happened to Ed? Dead. He's been dead for three years. Dead. (laughs) You know, like those are the conversations I'm looking forward to with my friends, you know, but um, it, it, I, I find it so hard now to sit, in a green room and listen to um, people that just don't respect the craft. We we went through this together, if you remember, a couple of months ago at the Nest Green Room where you were sitting there. Oh. Things were being said, and then at one point, it was like a reflex. We just both looked up at each other, and it was like... We're telling each other, just shut up, don't, yeah. don't, don't get involved. And we put our heads back down. There, I, I forgot what was said, but it was enough that we both jolted like it was a, it, it was a physical reaction. Well, like, it's always the people that, call, uh, that are you know, shitting on other people mm. that, you know, you, all these idiots, like people that night. Yeah. I just wanted, all I wanted to say was, can you do what they did? The ones that you're shitting on, the ones that you're calling out, wh- why? What, what did they do to you Nothing. that you felt the need to put them in, you know, crosshairs, whether it's in social media, uh, your friends, uh, other comics, spreading bullshit? And that's what I find, too, is that uh, there's a lot of stories being made up about people. Yeah. And unfortunately... Uh, the ones with the more followers win. They, you know, that's the thing with with uh, Twitter wars, or so I don't know how it works on Facebook or whatever. But Twitter wars, it becomes uh, very one sided very quickly. Who's gonna just agree with the person? Because it, you know, it's I, not about who's right. Right. It's just oh, Pantelis and Joey disagreed. Well, I'm gonna side with Pantelis because he's got four million followers and Joey's got you know one thousand. So I rather put up with maybe a thousand fuck yous as opposed to four million fuck yous. I'm on Team Pantelis. Yeah, yeah. And I find that's what's happening now. It's it's just it's very listen. There's always been clicks. There's always going to be clicks. 
It's just the way of the world. There's cliques in high school. There's cliques on hockey teams, in the dressing rooms. You know this. We've yeah. played on teams and stuff. Um, and there's cliques in comedy. There always will be. But it's the way these cliques treat each other now. You know, back in the day, yeah, I hung with a, a certain group of comics, and there were another group of comics that hung out. But we never took a shit on each other. We were friends. Yeah. We were supportive of one another. We were competitive with one another while still being supportive. There is none of that now. No, it doesn't exist. That's why I'm not around. People, I hate when I see someone, they're like, hey, I haven't seen you in uh, in months. Uh, what have you been up to? I've been doing gigs all over the fuck. I just don't stick around for the bullshit. Yeah. I do what I have to do and get the fuck out of there. I don't care. And what I'm cutting out of my life a lot, kind of like you said, your friend circle's getting smaller. It's all the negative people who will say stupid shit like, oh, how did you do this? Or how did you get... For everything that people see me succeed in, just know that I must have failed at that particular thing 100, 150 times before that. Nobody is handing me anything. What I enjoy is the, um, the fact that I know that, you know, behind my back there's certain people that just throw in, you know, daggers Grenades. at me, you know? And then uh, you run into them face to face and it's, hey, buddy, this, that. Buddy. And I get the buddy a lot. The one thing, you know, I would love to do, but again, I don't want to include myself in the bullshit. But there's a few people on the scene that seem so self-righteous. You know, when it comes to a, a new movement or a new show <laughs> or something like that, this individual is the first person to back them up. But I know for a fact that this individual has been contacted as a producer of shows by at least three different individuals about another individual that is constantly on these shows that has made these people feel uncomfortable. And this gentleman who goes out on social media and is rah, rah, rah was like, I think you're overreacting. <laughs> You know, that's what I don't like. I don't like the hypocrisy. You don't like me? Say it to my face. I'll say it to your face. Yeah. I've said it to comics to their face. You know, and then they go, why don't you like me? You know? And I tell them, straight up, this is why I don't like you. You know? And this, you know, those two individuals, like I said, I don't like them. I'm not going to say their names, but if they had any balls, they would come see one of my shows or they would you know send me a, a message somehow i'm very easy to find say hey man you know let's clear the air let's sit down i know you've heard some stories i've heard some stories let's just break the ice let's go for a beer let's go for a coffee whatever shoot the shit and communicate yeah i'd be the first one to be like done deal man but that's the problem nobody has the balls as soon as you see like i said as soon as i see that one guy He's all like, hey, hugs. And you're like, oh, God, don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I go I go through it not as often because I take myself out of it and I know who's who's cool, let's say, right? I know who's um, straight with me and I know who isn't. And I don't need that added uh, negative. I don't need that. Like it, it, Those people don't bring anything good to people's lives. Like a lot of times people want to change. Oh, this person doesn't like me. I want to know why I want. Fuck them. I, ha I know what I have to do. Right, I got to keep doing my thing. I got to yeah. work hard on my. I don't have time to put energy into a fucking open micers exactly. opinion. And that's why uh, we are at a certain level, and they will never 
ever get past where they are now because they are too focused in on the drama, on causing the drama. And it's on them because some of them actually have talent, but all their... And he, but the problem is most of the chatty fuckers are never really going to get off yeah. an open mic or more than an yeah. opening spot. And you can see it too, and, and, and it hurts because... Well, I think that's why they do it sometimes. You think they know? I think some of them know. I think some of them realize that I'm never going to get to the level where that individual is. Um, I don't like that individual, you know, and then then it becomes, instead of, well, what can I do to work harder and get there? It's what can I do now to bring them down? It's a very different, weird world, man. Like, I was always taught hard work pays off. Yeah. You got to be patient. That's the thing about comedy, man. It doesn't happen overnight. No. And there's a lot of failure associated before you ever win. And everybody everybody sees the highlights. Everybody sees the Netflix specials. They see the uh, million download podcasts. They see all the most successful. And they're like, oh, that's how it works. You attempt it, and it's either you get it or you don't. Yeah, people t- think radio is the same way. I could do. I I can't tell you how many people were like, I could do exactly what you do. No, I can just sit behind a microphone and talk. I'm nope. like, go for it. I honestly have told everybody that I've ever met that has been interested, just a small iota, in comedy. Everybody should try it once. Yes. Every, and I'm not talking about giving a speech as a best man, you know, it's or at a sweet sixteen where you're the best friend. And no, go up in front of strangers. Even at work, if you have to do a presentation, try being a little... I'm not saying if it's a serious topic, you know, every seven seconds like a comic, you know, crack jokes. It's about AIDS research. Yeah, (laughs) but if you can, lighten the moment just a little bit. Be self-deprecating off the top. You know, make it human. You know, everybody thinks that uh, they're supposed to be like some superhero that comes off the stage. We are. No. Are you kidding? We're the furthest thing from a fucking superhero. We I keep telling people, don't follow me. We are yeah. the most broken fucking group of people, you know, that you can find. Some of you know, some comics go into it because they do. They want the attention. They need the attention. Yeah, it's like a drug. You know, the same way they need the drama to fuel them. I always said I'm a you know I'm an analog guy in a digital world. I'm very happy going up doing my show. Um, if I stick around, I will always make time for the fans. If people want photos with me or whatever, always. I'll, I'll always make the time, as awkward as it may be. You do, though. You know, I try to be as uh, cordial and friendly unless I'm really in a rush to get somewhere after a show. Um, I usually take the time. But that's all it is, man. It takes a little bit of just humility, professionalism. I don't care if these people have been in it for seven, eight, ten years. If never hurts to ask a question. I've been in it, you know, two decades, and I still go down to the nest. And, you know, there's headliners that come in, like Nick Griffin, who's been on, Le- you know, the old Letterman show, what, like a 16 times or something. <laughs> you think I'm not going to ask him a question or two? You think I'm not going to sit down, watch this man? Try to learn something. Watch this man do 45 and just watch how somebody who, do- who has done late night so many times and is constantly headlining major clubs across the U.S. formats his set and how he goes about doing it. It's an, ev- it's an evolution. Yeah. It never, like comedy, you never, it, I think that's why I like golf so much is that no matter how good you get at it, you'll never 
ever find perfection. There's always something you can tweak. Same in golf. You know, I can shoot the best round of my life yesterday. I can go out today, same clubs, same course, same conditions, and shoot the worst game of my life. Much like comedy, I can go out tonight, 10 minutes, do really, really well, feel good about it. Tomorrow night, same club, same exact 10 minutes, walk off stage and go, wow, I should really go back to school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fucking amazing. So I think there's a parallel is that, you, you know, you do comedy, you play golf, you want to be the best you can be. Some days it works really, really well. Some days it goes really bad. And some days it goes exactly as planned where you know, okay, I'm going to shoot, you know, about a 90. And that's what you get. And that, you know, yeah. Yeah, some days you could call it. I shot that yesterday. I shot 90. Still, I don't think I'm ever going to get into the golf. You know, which on a good day for most golfers, that was great. Two days before that, I shot an 84. So I don't, I don't know if that's good or not. It's shit. Okay. But it's good for me, and I like it. <laughs> what, what, what are you working on next? I know that you have the, uh, the special, let's go with the special, the, uh, the album yeah. that's going to drop. The album, How'd You Get Here, uh, we are going to, uh, like I said, I'm printing up 150 that are numbered. Okay. Um, so And digital, right? Digital sales? Yes, and then it'll be up on the digital and the iTunes and the fancy stuff, whatever the kids listen to, eh? Spotify, whatever. What's uh, the other big one? Uh, well, on uh, Google Play. Yeah, Google, sure. Google Play. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and then, um, so we're aiming to have that all out by American Thanksgiving. So second week in November. Okay, so soon. Yeah, so that people can buy it for the holidays as a gift. And I have a lot Smart. of uh, I have a lot of shows coming up in the new year where I'm at clubs throughout Canada. So that'll be a, a nice way of spreading the joy throughout as well. Yeah, it's a good idea. And what about your ideas on broadcasting? What's next for Joey Elias? Whatever happens. I mean, like I said, uh, podcast is always a possibility, but... If anybody knocks at the door, I mean, I'm not at the point where I'm not listening to any options. And that goes for, you know, a writing gig on a show. Uh, If if I feel like I can do a a really good job, whether it's, you know, on a writing, you know, writing gig, um, hosting gig or whatever, if I feel that I can do a really good job and for the majority of time feel good about doing it, I'll do it. But I'm at the point now where if it just doesn't feel right, like even comedy shows, I've turned down a few just because, you know, you're like, really? This bar? And then you look up the bar and you're like, whoa, what, where, how, what? And then you ask a couple of questions and people are like, oh, no, that's a hell gig. Yeah. And you know what? I've done my fair share of hell gigs. Lord knows you have, yeah. You know, and I don't need to add to the stress of, going across town for an hour and a half to feel like a piece of shit, you know, in front of new people that will never, ever come see me again. Exactly. You know, I'd rather wait for a Tuesday night, go down to the nest, ask, you know, if I can do a five or seven minute, try out a couple of new jokes. And then depending on who's around, either stick around or get out of there as fast as you can. You know? I'm with you on that one, Joey. So, Joey, on uh, Twitter, it's Bruins514. Bruins underscore 514. Yes, I, I am a Bruins fan. 
Everything is in the description. And yeah, Joey is a Bruins fan in Montreal. Uh, I'm a Devils fan in Montreal, so I... You're, you're going to have a good year. I think so. You're going to have a good year. I think year. so. I'm excited. I would be too, man. A lot man. of young guys. Young guys, but also uh, I love their coach, man. Yeah, it's that love whole... I that love coach. the system of New Jersey. I love that whole let's build something up, not let's just fucking buy and sell, buy and sell. I like what's happening right now. I like the rebuild. Well, and do you like the fact that they're bringing back those uh, vintage jerseys? The green ones? The, 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 ones the green, green, green stripes? I thought yeah. that was just a marketing thing. I didn't know they were going to bring it back for the season. Is it going to be one of the alternate jerseys? Yeah. I want to buy one. I uh, I remember those jerseys, man. Those were, like, when people on, on Twitter were like, oh, my God, why would you bring back those years? They I like were, those. They were, cause, but they weren't great years for jerseys. No, they, the years weren't great, except right. for when McLean actually got them into the, the playoffs with a goal. I think it was the last goal of the season. Um, they were still wearing the green ones. They still had the green yeah. ones. Yeah, but Kirk they didn't, they didn't win was anything. there with that. Um, but I love that. Like, I mean, I still, I mean, you know, Hartford Whalers jersey. <laughs> I would wear a Whalers jersey. I have all the old caps of all the teams, right? So the Whalers, the California Golden Seals. The Golden Seals. Yeah. What a name. Uh, the Kansas City something, I don't remember. Uh, shit. It may have Royals, been, I think. It could have been the Chiefs, for all I know, like the football team. But Kansas City was uh, the same franchise as the Devils. It was Kansas City, then it went to Colorado, the yeah, Rockies, they, they and then the they Rockies. went to... So I have the original Colorado Rockies uh, hat that they now use sometimes as their alternate jersey logos. That's when uh, Don Cherry was coaching them. For how long did he coach them? One year. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I saw the, the, the film they made on CBC of Don Cherry's life <laughs> with the guy who's on... Um, Mr. D. Jerry D. was uh, Bobby Orr. Jerry D. was on it, but there was also the guy who's on uh, Letterkenny. The guy who stars in Letterkenny played Don Cherry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name. Who was also on 192 uh, or 102, 10 10, That fucking cop thing, right? Yeah. yeah. 10 4, 19 2, 16 I should I ask uh, Ketra about that. That guy seems like a fucking nice guy. Funnier than hell. Yeah. He yes, seems man. like a cool dude. He's a very, very funny man. Seems like it. You see, sometimes you could tell. Again, look at what he's done. Look at, you know. Yeah. I love the range of, of his scope. He could be a serious, uh, you yeah. know, a badass cop, and then he can be a goof in Letterkenny. It's wonderful. So you could, uh, if you're looking for Joey, I have his social media um, link yeah. in the description. Check Joey out. We got a show uh, September 26th. You have all kinds of stuff in September. I don't know if you want to plug anything in October. Get people ready. Uh, in the new year, look for him around Canada because you're going to be fucking all over the place. Yeah. And if you're out in uh, where Edmonton the second week weekend in October, check out the Edmonton Comedy Festival. There's no reason not to. What else are you going to do in fucking Edmonton? Hang out at the mall. Oh. Thank you all for uh, listening. This has been the Pantels Podcast with Joey Elias. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.